0: Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right, all right, good morning, Fusion Church, my brothers and sisters, how are you guys feeling today? All right this morning we are in numbers 15 numbers 15 and uh we're going to be uh man children of israel they kind of messed up the past couple of couple of chapters you know they had the opportunity to go into the into the promised land and um they listened to a, a few knuckleheads that just ruined it for the entire crew um but we're going to see here in uh numbers 15 that uh god still remains faithful Right, even though there's some some uh, some consequences and repercussions, if you will, um, he remains faithful. So um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get right into it. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we just we just thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you that that you are a God who remains faithful, Father, and and even when when we do mess up, Lord, and and there's things that we have to uh, deal with. Because of that, Father, you remain faithful. You remain with us, Lord, to to guide us through everything that we need to go through. So, Father, be with us during this time. Uh, Just speak to us, Lord God. Open up our eyes, open up our minds, open up our hearts, Father, to to what you want us to receive. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. All right. Numbers 15, and I am reading from the New King James Version. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you have come into the land you are to inhabit, which I am giving to you, and you make an offering by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering or a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a freewill offering or in your appointed feast to make a sweet aroma to the Lord from the herd or the flock, then he who presents his offering to the Lord shall bring a grain offering of one-tenth of an ephah, of fine flour with one fourth of a hint of oil and one fourth of a hint of wine as a drink offering you shall prepare with the burnt offering or the sacrifice for each lamb or for a ram you shall prepare as a grain offering two tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with one third of a hint of oil and as a drink offering you shall offer one third of a hint of wine as a sweet aroma to the lord and when you prepare a young bull as a burnt offering or as a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a peace offering to the lord Then shall be offered with the young bull a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with half a hin of oil, and you shall bring as a drink offering half a hin of wine as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Thus it shall be done for each young bull, for each ram, or for each lamb or young goat according to the number that you prepare so you shall do with everyone according to their number all who are native born shall do these things in this manner in presenting an offering made by fire a sweet aroma to the lord and if a stranger dwells with you or whoever is among you throughout your generations and will present an offering made by fire a sweet aroma to the lord just as you do so shall he do What an ordinance shall be for you of the assembly and for the stranger who dwells with you, an ordinance forever throughout your generations. As you are, so shall the stranger be before the Lord. One law and one custom shall be for you and for the stranger who dwells with you. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land to which I bring you, Then it will be when you eat of the bread of the land that you shall offer up a heave offering to the Lord. You shall offer up a cake of the first of your ground meal as a heave offering. As a heave offering of the threshing floor, so shall you offer it up. Of the first of your ground meal, you shall give to the Lord a heave offering throughout your generations. Verse 22. If you sin unintentionally and do not observe all these commandments which the Lord has spoken to Moses, all that the Lord has commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day the Lord gave commandment and onward throughout your generations, then it will be, if it is unintentionally committed without the knowledge of the congregation, that the whole congregation shall offer one young bull as a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord, with his grain offering and his drink offering, according to the ordinance, and one kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the whole congregation of the children of Israel, and it shall be forgiven them, for it was unintentional. They shall bring their offering, an offering made by fire to the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their unintended sin. It shall be forgiven the whole congregation of the children of Israel, and the stranger who dwells among them, because all the people did it unintentionally. And if a person sins unintentionally, then he shall bring a female goat in its first year as a sin offering, So the priest shall make atonement for the person who sins unintentionally, when he sins unintentionally before the Lord to make atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. You shall have one law for him who sins unintentionally, for him who is native born among the children of Israel, and for the stranger who dwells among them. But the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he is native-born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord, and he shall be cut off from among the people, because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be completely cut off. His guilt shall be upon him. Verse 32. Now, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him, before, brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, the man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put blue thread in the tassels of the corners. And you shall have a tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commands of the Lord you do them and that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined and that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord, your God. Amen and amen. There's a whole lot to unpack here. Um, there's a whole lot to unpack here, so let's, let's just jump right into it. So at this point, um, Israel was was at one of its lowest points in its history. Um, they had just rebelled uh, two two chapters ago, rebelliously rejected God's promise to to, to bring the nation to Canaan. So so he sent, sent- sentences them to forty years of wandering in the wilderness until that unbelieving generation had had died off. and and perished. And then a new generation of Israelites would be um, able to take the promised land. Um, But immediately after they had been, you know, the rebellion and the Lord had chastised them, Israel received, you know, valuable examples of God's mercy, of his care and of his help to Israel. The style of of Numbers 15 uh, very much mimics the style of Numbers uh, 1 through 10. Um, There's a sense in which this chapter takes the disobedient, unbelieving people and makes a new start with them, right? He says, when you have come into the land, when you have come into the land, God still cared for Israel. All the commands he was going to be giving them would only be fulfilled in the promised land. These laws had to be, and and each of these laws, they had had a built-in promise that that God would lead them into the promised land and and, and he would not leave them in the wilderness forever. Because he said, when you come into the land, he didn't say, if you come into the land, and and the off chance that you guys come into the land this is what's going to happen. No, he said, when you come into the land, these are the laws you guys must obey. God had not up to this point and would not forever give up on Israel, just like each and every one of us. God has never given up on you and he will never give up on you. Many, many believers under under God's correction, they've felt abandoned by God right and as as if god had just given up on them because they messed up but god is always near to the believer he's always near to the believer especially the believer who's under his correction he's not going to leave us god's mercy to to israel is is seen in this in, in the instructions for for offerings to cover up sin and 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 israel at the point of failure, needed to be reminded of sanctified atonement. They had to be reminded about all the things they still needed to do. Many uh, think that the command, when he says to bring grain, oil, and wine with the burnt offering of a lamb was to, to express thanksgiving. You know, even in your correction, we still have reason to thank God, to offer up our praises to God. After the the tragic unbelief and the judgments we read about yesterday, Israel still needed to think about showing gratitude to God for his goodness. Verse 6 says, for a ram you shall prepare as a grain offering, verse 7, as a sweet aroma to the Lord. This phrase is repeated for the sacrifice of the lamb, the ram, and the bull. The the idea of a sweet aroma. in Leviticus, this phrase is repeated often as a description of a, of a pleasing or a successful sacrifice to the Lord. The Bible specifically tells us that that Jesus Christ fulfilled the sacrifice with with His own offering, the offering of His own body. You know, here here in in you know in the next you know two months or so, we're going to be celebrating Easter, where are Jesus sacrificed his own self and his sacrifice was a sweet aroma to the Lord. Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ also had loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Moving on, verse 11, it says, then thus it shall be done for each young bull. Everyone, everyone, everyone who made a sacrifice had to bring it. With the thanksgiving of grain and the joy of wine, God did did not want to didn't want a, a reluctant, a complaining people to bring sacrifice to Him. Psalm one hundred verse two says, "Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing." If one if one could not serve the Lord with gladness, then God didn't want um, His service at all. If you don't come to serve the Lord with gladness, don't even do it at all. God does not want you to be forced to serve in His kingdom. He doesn't. He's not. He's not trying to, to twist your arm and say, you know, come into my service. Us at the church, we're in this this series. It takes all of us, and and the point of it is to to show that all every one of us, every one of us, has a part to play in the kingdom of God. Every one of us has something that they can offer to the body of Christ but don't do it if you're feeling forced. God does not want slaves. God wants us to come in with with, with gladness. Why? Because as we serve, it's an expression of gratitude to what the Lord has done for us, where he has brought us through, right? And so he's telling the children of Israel, like, if you have a bad attitude, don't even bring it. Verse 16 says, for you and for the stranger who dwells with you it was it was expected that those from from other nations who who lived in israel right the stranger when it talks about the stranger it's those who were not israelites living among them but god expected them to that they would worship the lord as well and offer sacrifices to him and these laws of sacrifice were for all who brought uh the sacrifice to the lord not just the native-born the stranger who who lived in Israel was intended to to worship the God of Israel according to God's command. The worship because because the worship of strange and pagan gods was forbidden. God was very adamant about this. If a stranger comes into your land, that's okay. they are welcome to come. however they must still they must worship God. All their pagan and false idols need to go away because God did not want any, any kind of false religion, false idols, false gods, anything to be among his people. God is the only God that needs to be worshipped. You know, so so he sees that we're seeing here that, that there could only be one true form of worship. No other form of worship could be tolerated because that was idolatry. All strangers, all, everyone who came into the land, were, into the land, were required to conform to it, and it, it was right that those who did conform to it should have have equal rights and privileges with the Hebrews themselves. Even even the the um, the, the reference to the native born was a promise that they would come into the land of Canaan, and they would live there for generations. Because these current Hebrews were not native-born to Canaan. But the following generations, when they took the land, their children and their children's children, they would be native-born. God, even through all these commands he's given them, is still telling them, you will take this land. He's telling them, even though you're in a dire situation right now where it doesn't seem hopeful, right? They know that, that they're that they're they're essentially restricted from entering to the promised land for a whole generation but God is still saying is saying I'm still faithful even though you messed up you will still come into you will still come into the land even though you messed up the promises that I've given to your forefathers will still be fulfilled again verse 18 it says when you come into the land in which in which I bring you immediately after the failure to enter Canaan by faith, God gave Israel laws that were to be be obeyed when you come into the land. God is still faithful. God's promises are still yes and amen. God did not question if they would live in Canaan. He only spoke of when you live in the land of Canaan. This This, this sets their minds forward to the promise, right? Forward to the promise, even if a, it, even if a child of, of God isn't walking um, in the wickedness of of, and excuse me, in the richness of God's promises. Now they need to set their mind on heavenly places. We have a promise that one day we will be in glory with the Lord. That should be where we focus. Right. Don't look around to the your current circumstances, your current situation. We have a promise that those of us who believe in the Lord and have accepted Jesus Christ, that one day we will be in heaven. Right. So all of this is temporary. All of this is will be is going to be very inconsequential on the day that we are in heaven with our savior. Ephesians two six, God says, um, it says, God has has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly place, places in Christ Jesus. Even if it doesn't feel like it now, set your mind on heavenly places. Okay, these again, this what, what's going on around you is temporary. The children of Israel in the wilderness was a very temporary situation. They were in the middle of it, so of course it didn't seem like it was temporary. Forty years is a long time. Forty years is a long time, right? By our standards, but by God's standards, forty years is nothing. Uh, verse twenty talks about a heave offering. Um, Exodus twenty-nine verses twenty-seven and twenty to twenty-eight and Leviticus ten fourteen speak of a heave offering of sacrifice meat. Here, the heave offering is made with grain. Most co- most commentators. Um, Understand that the first of your ground meal to be a portion of dough made from the first harvest of the season, right? And each household of Israel brought a, a a cake of the first of your ground meal as a thanksgiving and a first fruits offering. So they would go, they would they would gather the grain, the first fruits, and they would ground it into into flour, and they would make a cake, and they would bring it, you know, as a sacrifice and and uh and they would throw it into the fire as a sacrifice paul paul referenced this custom if you read in romans 11 verse 16 but what's when i was doing some some research on this is it, it was interesting because after the fall of the second temple the, this custom was still maintained by those by, by by pious jews those who who still followed the laws and the customs and what they would do is when they would make their cakes in their home, they would they would take a handful of dough, and they would still throw it into the fire, as 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 sort of a, a mini sacrifice, right? So it was like their oven became an altar, and their kitchen became um, a house of God, still referencing that heave offering, still offering sacrifices to the Lord, you know, even when there was no, no temple. And here we're going to, in verse 22, we're going to talk about unintentional sin, right? Unintentional sin. In, uh, the Bible talks about sin that is unintentionally committed. It's, it's often thought that if an action is unintentional, it cannot be sin. But many of the worst sins committed Well, excuse me, many of the worst sins that are committed are are done with the best intentions. But good intentions does not excuse sinful result. Good intentions don't excuse a sinful result throughout history. Many atrocities and terrors have come from those dedicated to honorable causes. One of the goals of, of communism was to establish a, a just and fair economic system where everyone works according to their ability and then, and everyone receives according to their need, right? Sounds good, right? In theory, you know, it works, but it doesn't really work because despite all the good intentions, the goals of, of, of communism were used to justify the murder of tens of millions of people. In twentieth century, even up to a hundred million people have been killed because of this this quote good system that was that was uh, intended to, to help the people for the people, right? That's unintentional sin. It has a good idea, but the results are extremely extremely sinful. You know, a hundred million people are estimated to have been, have been killed. Because of this system. Verse 24, that the whole congregation shall offer one young bull as a burnt offering. Un, un, unintentional sin still needed a blood atonement. So that a young bull had to be sacrificed when the nation was guilty. It was kind of like a like a blanket sacrifice, you know. You know, it's like the idea that, you know. Most people, everyone probably have done unintentional sins. So we're going to offer up a bowl to cover those unintentional sins. Verse 29, you shall have one law for him who sins unintentionally. There was to be no exception. Sin is sin. It must be accounted as sin. Even if the motives still seem good. But then verse 30. It says, but the person who does anything presumptuously, literally to to sin presumptuously means uh, like open, unashamed rebellion. You know, a a rebellion against God, rebellion against Moses, even rebellion against the entire nation. It's 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 just, excuse me, as if you know the law, I don't care about the law. I'm gonna do what I want to do, right? I don't care what the circumstances are, I'm gonna do what I want to do. This this defiant sin, um, you know, is 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 so guilty against God, right? It's you're knowingly sinning. But it says that person shall be completely cut off, his guilt shall be upon him. Such sin was not to be tolerated in Israel. And even us today, we should not tolerate such sin when it's brought to our attention. This command was, was a tool for addressing sin and confirming that such arrogant defiance of public morality would not be rewarded. And this contrasts with our modern culture, who, where, 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 no, where no, notorious defiant sinners are sometimes rewarded with fame and fortune. Instead of the idea of like his guilt shall be upon him, from verse thirty-one, our culture often puts guilt on anyone who would judge or confront a defiant sinner and their works. If you if you have someone that you know is sinning, even in the church, and you confront them, we are often looked like we're the bad guys, as if we're the crazy ones for for bringing up their 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 sin. When as brothers and sisters in Christ, it is our intention. We need to be bold enough to say, no, what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is a sin against God. Like, why are you doing, like, stop doing this. But instead is, you can't judge me, right? Only God can judge me, which is, the Bible never says that, right? That's one of those those, those amazing quotes that people say, only God can judge me. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because if you, if you are a, a believer, and I'm a believer, and you know what's right, I sure can judge you. Now, we can't judge unbelievers who don't know what the word of God says, right? But we're talking here about, about people who are sinning flagrantly, who know a sin is sin. So I'm going to encourage you, you know, do it with love, but you may have someone in your life right now with your family, friends, even somebody at the church that you know is sinning. And they may feel like they're getting away with it and it's not a big deal because no no one really knows and whatever the case may be. But it is your obligation to confront that person with love, right? Don't go beating them over the head with, with, with the Bible. But with love saying, listen, I love you, but what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is in defiance of God's word. You know, how can I come alongside you, you know? to pray with you, to, 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 to be with you as you confess your sin and you repent. And then if they're still doing it, then you, you, you go back with them with, with another brother or sister and you confront them again. Then you bring them before a church leader, before the congregation. But there are steps to this. But if you knowingly allow people to sin, you're just as guilty as they are. Just as guilty. You know especially as church leaders, your church leaders, we are held to a higher standard, a higher level of accountability and don't think okay I'm gonna listen listen Doug I'm gonna let them, I'm gonna let him have it Doug yeah get ready. Don't think that that be in your mind your service to the church is something as simple as oh I'm just in the hospitality. I'm just a greeter. no big deal whatever. I'm gonna tell you right now. You have a lanyard around your neck when you're serving at the church. The average person who walks into the doors of that church, they have no idea who you are, but you have a lanyard. So you have a, you have some authority around here. You are a leader. And so it is your obligation to stand in the authority that the Lord has given you and the church has trusted you with to stand up for the word of God. Call sin, what sin is. All right. Whew. You got me worked up. Man, June, I was about to whew, I was about to really let him have it. I'm going I'm to I'm hold back a little bit. Okay, so verse 32 says, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Now, this may seem kind of excessive, right? You know, someone's gathering sticks, they're working on the Sabbath day. God said, keep the Sabbath day, rest, because it's holy um, to the Lord. But this is, this is an immediate example of dealing with someone who sinned defiantly, because all Israel knew the Sabbath law. But perhaps this person thought themselves a you know, they were a reformer. They were gonna change things up, that they're they're trying to free the nation from 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 the quote bondage of heaven's law, right? You know, but the point of the story is that Sabbath breaking is is the, the act of, of, of defiance against the Lord. And it, and it could have been, and we could actually <clears throat> take this law of the skip of sabbath and put any other law in there right and they're defiantly disobeying what god has said the offense strikes the very center of israel's responsibility before the lord by this action this person who was, was was thumbing their nose at god like i know better than you this man must surely be put to death god commanded the execution of the of the sinner And now this person is is is, is an example of what happens when you disobey the Lord. This was so all would know that the law of God was important. It was more important than any individual and their their, quote rights to attack um, or try to destroy the social order or try to attack or destroy the law of God. That's the point of this story. Is that, you know, when people try to openly de- be defiant against the word of God, they must be confronted. And no, now today, in 2023, we ain't taking no people out back and stoning them. Although there may be some people that you're like, whoo, I could just take you out back. We don't do that. Okay? We ain't doing that. But this is just an example. Like, sin is sin and must be confronted immediately. Because this person who was, you know, we can look at it as they were just, they were just picking up. They were just doing a little bit of work. No big deal, right? God said, keep us up. It's not a big deal, but it, did, it didn't just start with the sticks, right? The sin began even smaller, it began in their heart. And they allowed that sin to stew and they would probably do little things. And then it came to the point of open defiance. That's the point of this, of this verse right here. So my brothers and sisters, we need to confront all of this. Okay. Oh, my time is up I'll them real, real quick. 38 tassels on the corners of the garments, um, blue thread in the tassels of the car. So they would wear, um, you know, almost like blankets, right? You know, and if you ever go to Israel, you see, you know, some of the more Orthodox wearing, you know, these, 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 these sheets over them. And then on the corners they have tassels with blue thread and it's to remind them of, um, the word of god and remind them of the law and the things they need to be obeying um and to, to remember all the commandments you know we can imagine um, an israelite being tempted to sin and they look down they see the tassels on on their uh on their garments right you know and, and we can we can look at that today we have christian clothing you know i see a lot of you people posting on your social media out and about wearing your fusion t-shirts and you know, for South Jersey and you know, love all, serve all and it's amazing, right? You know, and and you know, I have you know a lot of us we have on um, the, the sticker on the back of our window, you know, fusion church, you know, and that's great as a reminder, you know. I'll tell you right now, it reminds me not to be speeding because every time I'm about to gun it in my car, I look in my rear mirror, I see fusion church. I'm like, okay, I got I gotta be an example. Let me let me not let me not drive like crazy. Um, because if you know me, you know I I drive kind of crazy sometimes. It's a reminder. Right. But the children of Israel with their tassels, they started to get a little ridiculous. Right. And their robes and their scarves and everything got bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, and um Jesus directly rebuked the abuse of this command amongst the religious elite. You know, he would he was uh, in Matthew 23, 5. He 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 was speaking about how they would enlarge the borders of their garments, right? So it's almost like the bigger, the, bi- the bigger the garment, the more holy they were, right? Some churches, um, you know, depending on what certain people are wearing, size of the hat, the, you know, the cut of their suit, whatever, whatever. It's the it's almost like the appearance of they're the more holy ones, right? And you know, a lot of us grew up in churches or you know have been to churches where you see people looking. Let's be real, you know, kind of ridiculous, right? but they're they're holding themselves up as if as if as like like they're floating on water when they come into the church you know and it's like no god is calling is is going against that you know it's like that's not necessary you know they were making the tassel area as visible and noticeable as possible as a proud display of their holiness and the same can be said with today's you know christian themed clothing and jewelry there's nothing wrong with that but when you if you if you're wearing every single piece of christian clothing you own and you're walking around like 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 only you are god's chosen there's a problem with that there's a problem with that it can be abused just the same you know in, 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 in the same self-righteous hypocritical manner as the religious elite of jesus's day you know but it all comes back to the heart where's your heart you know why are you you know, why are you doing what you're, why are you wearing what you're wearing? What is the point? You know, are you wearing, you know, Christian clothing, you know, because as just, hey, almost like advertising, like I believe in Jesus, you know, come, come, you know, you want to question me, come question me. I would love to, you know, you know, I, you know, a lot of you guys know me. I, I'm always wearing some kind of shirt, you know, that says, you know, you know, grace or, you know, worship or, you know, and, and I've had people come in and, and question me on it. Okay. You know, but I'm telling you right now, if you ever see me wearing, you know, all kinds of stuff and, and I'm walking through the church, like, like, you know, I'm all, I'm, I'm I'm everything in the bag of chips. Like, please question me, please come talk to me. Like, Hey brother, like you need to chill out. You know, where's your heart? And that's the point of this, this passage of scripture. Where is your heart? Why are you doing what you're doing? And final verse. And I'm going to get out of here because I ain't trying to get in trouble. I a lot of Y'all got to go, go to work here in a minute. Verse 41, to, 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 to end this chapter, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Even though God was displeased with Israel for their for their frequent rebellious, rebe- rebellions, he would not cast them off. Even though they would spend 40 years in the wilderness, he would still continue to be their God. He would preserve and provide for them. And he would eventually bring them into the land of Canaan. His promises would be fulfilled. So, brothers and sisters, whatever wilderness you're going through, God's promises that he will bring you out of that wilderness. It may not take 40 years, right? It may not take 40 days, but God will bring you through it. You know, and God, even when, even when, you know, he was giving them more laws and more rules, there was always always that that little caveat that asterisk in the beginning of it like when you come into the land when you come into the land that you will possess when you will come into the land that i will give you it's not if when it's not when you will come through your circumstance it's when you will come to your circumstance it's not if you will, will will overcome whatever you know issue that you're dealing with. It's when God will bring you through that issue. And that's a promise from thousands of years ago in Numbers 15 that still applies today. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord, and we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, that we can look to your word and, and see the promises of, of, of not if, but when. When, because when is such a powerful word. When is a word of promise. When is 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 a a, a word of, of expectation, Father, that you will be, remain faithful to us, Lord. So, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, whatever they're going through, whatever whatever healing they need, Father, whatever um, deliverance they need, Father, that that you will continue to remind them that it's not an if but a when. That you will always be with them. You will not forsake them. You will keep them in in the palm of your hand, Father. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for blessing us, Father. We just love you. We praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, this is another good one. God bless. I'll see you again next week. Have a blessed day.